Chapter Ten of Certain Personal Matters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Graham Scott, Cheltenham, England. Certain Personal Matters by H. G. Wells. The Literary Regimen. At the risk of offending the young beginner's illusions, he must be reminded of one or two homely but important facts bearing upon literary production. Homely as they are, they explain much that is at first puzzling. This perplexing question of distinction, the quality of being somehow fresh, individual, really it is a perfectly simple matter. It is common knowledge that, after a prolonged fast, the brain works in a feeble manner the current of one's thoughts is pallid and shallow it is difficult to fix the attention and impossible to mobilize the full forces of the mind on the other hand immediately after a sound meal the brain feels massive but static tea is conducive to a gentle flow of pleasing thoughts and any one who has taken eastern syrup of the hypophosphites will recall at once the state of cerebral erythrism of general mental alacrity that followed on a dose again champagne followed perhaps by a soupçon of whisky leads to a mood essentially humorous and playful while about three dozen oysters taken fasting will in most cases produce a profound and even ominous melancholy one might enlarge further upon this topic on the brutalizing influences of beer the sedative quality of lettuce the stimulating consequences of curried chicken but enough has been said to point our argument it is that such facts as this can surely indicate only one conclusion and that is the entire dependence of literary qualities upon the diet of the writer i may remind the reader in confirmation of this suggestion of what is perhaps the most widely known fact about carlyle that on one memorable occasion he threw his breakfast out of the window why did he throw his breakfast out of the window surely his friends have cherished the story out of no petty love of deprecatory detail there are however those who would have us believe it was mere childish petulance at a chilly rasher or a hard-boiled egg such a supposition is absurd on the other hand, what is more natural than an outburst of righteous indignation at the ruin of some carefully studied climax of feeding? The thoughtful literary beginner, who is not altogether submerged in foolish theories of inspiration and natural genius, will, we fancy, see pretty clearly that I am developing what is perhaps after all the fundamental secret of literary art. To come now to more explicit instructions, it is imperative, if you wish to write with any power and freshness at all, that you should utterly ruin your digestion. Any literary person will confirm this statement. At any cost the thing must be done, even if you have to live on German sausage, onions and cheese to do it. So long as you turn all your dietary to flesh and blood, you will get no literature out of it. We learn in suffering what we teach in song. This is why men who live at home with their mothers, or have their elder sisters to see after them, never, by any chance, however great their literary ambition may be, write anything but minor poetry. They get their meals at regular hours, and done to a turn, and that plays the very devil, if you will pardon the phrase, with one's imagination. 
a careful study of the records of literary men in the past and a considerable knowledge of living authors suggests two chief ways of losing one's digestion and engendering literary capacity you go and live in humble lodgings we could name dozens of prominent men who have fed a great ambition in this way or you marry a nice girl who does not understand housekeeping the former is the more efficacious method because as a rule the nice girl wants to come and sit on your knee all day and that is a great impediment to literary composition belonging to a club even a literary club where you can dine is absolute ruin to the literary beginner many a bright young fellow who has pushed his way or has been pushed by indiscreet friends into the society of successful literary men has been spoilt by this fatal error and he has saved his stomach to lose his reputation having got rid of your digestion then the common condition of all good literature the next thing is to arrange your dietary for the particular literary effect you desire and here we may point out the secrecy observed in such matters by literary men stevenson fled to samoa to hide his extremely elaborate methods and to keep his kitchen servants out of the reach of bribery even sir walter besant though he is fairly communicative to the young aspirant has dropped no hints of the plain pure and wholesome menu he follows sala professed to eat everything but that was probably his badinage possibly he had one staple and took the rest as condiment then what did shakespeare live on bacon and mr barry though he has written a delightful book about his pipe and tobacco full of suggestion to the young humorist lets out nothing or next to nothing of his meat and drink his hints about pipes are very extensively followed and nowadays every ambitious young pressman smokes in public at least one well-burnt briar with an eccentric stem even at some personal inconvenience but this jealous reticence on the part of successful men you notice they never let even the interviewer see their kitchens or the debris of a meal necessarily throws one back upon rumour and hypothesis in this matter mr andrew lang for instance is popularly associated with salmon but that is probably a wilful delusion excessive salmon far from engendering geniality will be found in practice a vague and melancholy diet tending more towards the magnificent despondency of mr hall Kane nor does mr haggard feed entirely on raw meat indeed for lurid and somewhat pessimistic narrative there is nothing like the ordinary currant bun eaten new and in quantity a light humorous style is best attained by soda water and dry biscuits following cafe noir the soda water may be either scotch or irish as the taste inclines for a florid tawdry style the beginner must take nothing but boiled water stewed vegetables and an interest in the movements against vivisection opium alcohol tobacco sarcophagy and the male sex for contributions to the leading reviews boiled pork and cabbage may be eaten with bottled beer followed by apple dumpling this effectively suppresses any tendency to facetiousness or what respectable english people call doublon tendre and brings you en rapport with the serious people who read these publications so soon as you begin to feel wakeful and restless discontinue writing for what is vulgarly known as the fin de siècle type of publication on the other hand one should limit oneself to an aerated bread shop for a week or so with the exception of an occasional tea in a literary household all people fed mainly on scones become clever and this regimen 
with an occasional debauch upon macaroons chocolate and cheap champagne and brisk daily walks from oxford circus through regent street piccadilly and the green park to westminster and back should result in an animated society satire it is not known what mr kipling takes to make him so peculiar many of us would like to know possibly it is something he picked up in the jungle berries or something a friend who made a few tentative experiments to this end turned out nothing beyond a will and that he dictated and left incomplete it was scarcely on the lines of an ordinary will being blasphemous and mentioning no property except his inside for short stories of the detective type strong cold tea and hard biscuits are fruitful eating while for a social science novel one should take an abundance of boiled rice and toast and water however these remarks are mainly by way of suggestion every writer in the end so soon as his digestion is destroyed must ascertain for himself the peculiar diet that suits him best that is which disagrees with him the most if everything else fails he might try some chemical food jabber's food for authors by the by well advertised and with portraits of literary men in their drawing-rooms fed entirely on jabber's food with medical certificates of its unwholesomeness and favourable and expurgated reviews of works written on it ought to be a brilliant success among literary aspirants a small but sufficient quantity of arsenic might with advantage be mixed in End of chapter 10